Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Shane Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Travis Crotty. And I'm Father Shane Demon. We're coming to you from Sioux City. It's good to be here. Father Shane, how are you? Excellent. It's good to be with you again. It's good, yeah. You know, we had a wires cross this time, and I thought I was coming up to Sioux City, down rather, and you thought you were coming to Lamar's, but right. I'm glad I'm glad you called. I said, I, I sent you, Father Shane, a text and said, I tried to send you a text and said, are we meeting a Bishop Healand, or just are we meeting at Healand, the high school where we often meet to record, Right. but it came through as like with a K. Are we, are we, I think the text message was, are we meeting at Kalen? At or Kalen. Ke, no, Keelan. Keelan. Keelan or something. So then I get a call from you and you're like, I'm headed to Lamar's. Where are you? And I said, <laughs> oh, oh no. And we just got our wires crossed. But hey, it's all good. We're, we're all here now. Away. We're here. We're set up and we're recording. Um, Father Shane, have you gotten this um, comment made to you before when, when podcasts are brought up? I, I try not to flex on people that we have this. Just pretty incredible podcast, you know, coming from the Diocese <laughs> City. Um, but people, there are so many podcasts. The market is quite saturated at this point. Right. Pretty much when we started, it was already saturated. Then right. pandemic happened and stuff. A lot of podcasts. People will say, everybody has a podcast. Who doesn't have a podcast? Who doesn't? People say that. Have you heard yeah, that Yeah, I've heard it. Yeah. So some of the guys who say that um, are a brother priest from the Diocese of Des Moines. Uh, two New Day priests, Father Max Carson and uh, Father Jake Epstein. I was just hanging out there on my day off. And they were kind of they're kind of razzing me a little bit. Were they? And they yeah they were. <clears throat> they said that they're going to make a rival podcast um, called the Bluff Boys because they are they are uh, priests and council bluffs. Okay. So it's just pretty funny. Um, and we have this idea because the Omaha people will often call and I, council bluffs people are great. I went to St. Alberts and it's just like Galen and I, I I'm a big fan of these council bluffs people. I mean mm-hmm. they're good Iowa folks, but the Omaha people. Well, upper crust Omaha people, they, they have a nickname for people from Council Bluffs. And if anybody's listening, I'm, I'm sorry, because uh, this is kind of offensive to you and Kentucky, because they call you Council Tucky sometimes. They do. Because it's got, it's got a little bit of like a back, back backwoods feel to it. A little bit. So we were saying that their riff at the beginning of their podcast is going to be just like a little banjo riff. Okay. And they say, Bluff Boys, whoop. So we'll see if they actually get the Bluff Boys off the ground. Um, maybe they invite us on as guests of their, you know, prestigious podcast. But Well, I throw down the gauntlet. Oh, if- if okay. they want to razz you for your podcast, which you work hard at. I do. That's well, right. I'd say, you know, put your money where your mouth let's is, see, Bluff yeah. Boys, let's and let's see. What's what you got, Bluff Boys? Yeah, let's see what you got. We'll see what Make happens. it happen. Gosh, that'd be interesting. So I, you're used to traveling all over the place. You have traveled to some places, right, recently? Oh, yeah. You're always going That's somewhere. Storm Lake, Lamar's yesterday. Yeah, yeah. lots of fun places. Yeah, yeah, you came to help us out with a little, uh, little talk at our at our parish's event called thirsty souls mm-hmm. talks about humility is that right in preparation for they Lent. wanted me to talk about the virtue of humility in relationship to lent and you scrapped it and talked about something else no you talked about that right no i stuck to humility stuck to the notes that's good that's good oh. i uh drove up to the i think for the first time i had never been to st patrick's parish in sheldon iowa mm-hmm. drove up north and i and i hung out with their faith formation uh, first through seventh grade, and then uh, eighth and ninth graders. Nice. We just did a big uh, question answer night, which was really really fun. Oh, Q and A's are great. It was super fun. Um, I think my favorite one was this little kid 
<laughs> when, when little kids are kind of smart and like kind of inquisitive, they're just really hilarious. This little kid's like, um, uh, okay, so uh, I just have a question. Um, is heaven boring? And I said, <laughs> that's an excellent question. So I explained a whole bunch and I said, what's the, what's the most fun you've ever had? And he's like, this water park. And I said, it's even more exciting than the water park. So I, yeah, oh my gosh. You blew so, his mind. That's amazing. So we kept talking and then afterwards, like, so uh, basically what you're saying is that it's not boring? Uh, correct. That is what I'm saying. Very good. You sit on a cloud and you just yeah, stare. Exactly. And if you want to do something, you strum a harp. Yeah. And if, you know? if you're into that. <laughs> yeah. If you, yeah. If you're into that. No. So I was explaining the, the dynamism of, I might have, no, that was in a different class. I whipped out perichoresis the other day in uh, RCIA. I didn't think I should pull that out with the first grade question. I was about bold. The dynamism of heaven. But anyways, it was a lot of fun. But I want to talk about this <clears throat> because I think this is on a lot of people's minds. Whether people listening are, are in the church whether their family members are, are in the church, whether they're struggling to get people back to the church, whether on the fence, or I think a lot of people experienced a lot of their family members having left the church, mm-hmm. right? And they, they see how outcast they feel. They see how outcast um, they themselves feel within their families, all this stuff. But the question came last night at the Q&A of, Father, why do so many people leave the church? Mm-hmm. And so I just turned it to the kids, to the first through seventh group seventh grade and a lot of them were like third and fourth fifth graders answering these questions and they just started shooting them right off they said people don't believe in god yep that's one people don't believe jesus saves them that's two absolutely they said well what if somebody lost somebody and they just really doubt that god's good three bingo you got it right and they just kept going but afterwards the lady who had asked the question she came up and said father but i sent all of my kids through catholic school all the way through and none of them practice the faith, mm-hmm. right? And you get that a lot, and that's all the time. Really difficult because it's not always it's not always your fault. Like if I'm talking to you right now, if I'm talking to the people out there whose kids might be, I mean, yeah, grown adults and they've all left the faith, it's not always your fault, right? I mean, so much in the culture has just so drastically changed over the course of the last few decades, right? Mm-hmm. So so much of it is it's related to the culture, and we're all steeped in the same culture. But I do want to talk about that because I think uh, both of us are in Catholic schools right now, um, and there's a desire to. We're doing a big, you know, big study to see what the what the long term planning can be for our for our diocese and for our Catholic schools, and mm-hmm. in, a, in a diocese that has had very strong um, support of Catholic education on lots of Catholic schools over the years. Yeah, like I mean, right now we have seven. I think we have sixteen elementary school districts and seven Catholic high schools which for a diocese of 100,000 Catholics is probably the greatest ratio in the United States, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. and it's wild to see. I think our Wikipedia page will even show all of the schools that have just closed over the years. I mean, Verina, Iowa, that I don't think ever had any more than like 100 people in my hometown, right? had a Catholic high school. I mean, everybody. Yeah, everyone had one. Um, I've heard some of our elderly priests say that I think at our peak, we had 42 Catholic high schools in rural Iowa in this yeah. diocese. Yeah. So it's been known for a strong Catholic education background. But because of that, and because we live in this context, and, and there's a lot of Catholic schools around the, uh, around the country. When I was in St. Louis, I mean, there's, I think, I think 30 plus high school, Catholic high schools within the metro area. Some are archdiocesan, some are run by a lot of religious orders. But there are a lot of people out there, probably listening right now, who have either experienced some or all of your education was Catholic education, um, or you sent your kids to Catholic education. There's there's a lot of those questions out there. But the big question is, I sent my kids to Catholic school, Father. Yeah. Why do they all leave? Yeah. I spent all this money. We invested. It worked for me. I kept the faith. Why didn't it fix my children? Hmm. Where did the formula go off? Exactly. Right. 
And I think that's, you just hit it, right? It didn't fix the, it didn't fix the problem. It didn't fix my children, right? Mm-hmm. There's so many things that go into this conversation. I mean, I think the huge kind of gaping hole in the question is often we don't, we forget that so much of Catholic education had to do with religious brothers and sisters who ran these schools, right? And who, who showed by their very life, by their vows of poverty, chastity, obedience, the credibility of the gospel. Not that lay people don't do that, but there's something particular about, um, nuns and brothers wearing habits, right, that show just this consecration in the world. Um, but I think cultural realities are huge mm-hmm. at a play, and we've talked about those before. Um, but I think a big one, and I think this is what I want to really kind of open up and talk about, because this is an invitation now for families who have, who have children. They might be in Catholic school or not in Catholic school. The question I should have asked last night, I didn't have the chance for this woman who asked the question, but I'm just always so curious how often parents actually shared their faith with their children. Yes, they took them to church. Yes, they sent them to Catholic school. But were there ever any conversations where they actually told them why they believed what they believed? When you, when you talk to people, especially when they're, I just had a funeral recently, and you talk to the family about their, their parents who are, who've passed away, they'll talk about how much faith that they had and how they saw that faith, and they saw it in action. They saw it by example, but not always by conversation. That wasn't always communicated. Their story wasn't ever really told. And when you, and when you talk to people who've left the faith, they have so many different reasons. But I think one of the key ones is because they haven't really seen like a credible witness of belief, a credible witness of the gospel um, lived out in somebody's life. And it just seems that if we were to share that story, if we were to share our stories more frequently, I mean, we get the opportunity to do this all the time in, in homilies and talks and different things like that. But if we were able to share our experience of faith, our relationship with God, our experience of struggling with doubt, our experience of overcoming those doubts in faith, I think that would really help the faith grow in people's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe when we put it off on someone else to take care of that, the DRE at the parish, the lay volunteers, or a Catholic school program, we miss that handing on of the gospel, that word of mouth how it's always been handed up. Sure. I'm now in my 11th year and working in Catholic schools as a high school chaplain. And I'm becoming more and more convinced that the success of a Catholic school has to do with everything outside of the Catholic school. Mm. Um, Obviously the school has to have high academic standards. You have to hire faculty and administrators who are on mission for the church. Uh, You have to have resources. It's nice to have good extracurricular programs that get the kids excited and build school spirit. But I've spent a lot of time thinking about how is it that our Catholic schools have shifted over the years? Mm. It seems to me that if you go back 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years, there was a, certainly more than 30 years, you know, probably going back 40, 50, 60 years, there was a, there was a Christian ethos in the culture that sustained so much life when my parents were growing up that the Catholic school could really just focus on reading, writing, and arithmetic. And there was a cultural network, a a matrix of belief and practice outside of the school that was formative for children and sustained the practice of the faith for all these families, how the holy days were observed, Mm. how Sunday was, you know, a day of rest, and we didn't have soccer tournaments starting at 8 a.m., um, you know, how, how feast days, even in your ethnicity, were celebrated. 
um, whether you're a German family, Irish family, Polish family, what are the major feast days? Yeah, with a liturgical component, but then also the just the beautiful cultural celebration that accompanies that. Right. Yeah, with big parties and big feet. Yeah. Right. Devotions that happened in the home, outdoor processions, um, you know, maybe outdoor statues in your front yard. Well, heck, with that, with the devotions, I was just talking to a, a, an older lady who was kind of saying, like, yeah, I got these, like, really nice pictures of the sacred heart and immaculate heart of mary and jesus jesus and mary i just don't know what to do with them i said can you give them to your kids she's like well we were given them when we were married and everybody got these when they were married got these beautiful pictures of jesus and mary to hang in their home i said we give them their kids well i don't i don't want them father so exactly there were these all of these different yeah devotions yeah i think that's the whole matrix that's that sustained and really kept the devotions and, and the whole identity of faith really suspended in the cultural air that you would breathe in. So that when you would step into school, the, you would be bringing with you in, in your backpack, so to speak, the culture that everyone was living in. And so, of course, this is what we do in the classroom. We pray and, uh, you know, and, and we celebrate you know, the liturgical seasons together. And of course, we're going to study the scriptures and we're going to study our faith in catechism class. But it, the, the faith just it wasn't reduced to just simply an academic exercise in your religion classroom because there was this whole matrix of faith sustaining it outside of the building. And that what happened in the building and what happened outside of the building were one and the same. And the, and the families nurtured that, the teachers nurtured that. Uh, you, you didn't have to like, put on your faith coat when you walked in the door. And then when you go home, there was no practice of the faith. In fact, you know, nowadays I have students telling me that what their parents are actually telling them at home is undermining everything that we're trying to do in the transmission of the faith to these children during the school day and the beliefs and the customs and the habits of faithful Catholics. So when you, when you break down that culture that's not present anymore, all of a sudden, we put an enormous amount of pressure on Catholic schools or faith formation programs or CCD or whatever you want to call it because what happens in the classroom is somehow supposed to be spiritually formative, liturgically enriching. Uh, like virtue enhancing. Virtue enhancing. Or really just teaching morality in general. You know, right? Catechetical knowledge is also implanted. So there's got to be some sort of service. Service component. Right. Uh, building up social networks, you know, so that you don't feel alone in your faith. Right. All of a sudden, the classroom exercises are supposed to do all of that. Right. And in campus ministry, we feel that especially because it's like the school pieces that have been there are always there. Mm-hmm. But now there's this added there's this added component of campus ministry that even, like, teachers are kind of confused by. They, they see us as priests, and they get, okay, yeah, you're supposed to, like, do sacraments and, you like, talk about God or whatever, you know, whatever it is you do, mm-hmm. right? But then there's this question of, well, well, what is this campus ministry piece? Well, okay, you're supposed to make them all more Catholic. Okay, just do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Put them in the factory machine and then pop them out as faithful exactly. Catholics, yeah. right? Yeah. And we, I think we may have mentioned in the past, but, I mean, all of these themes are so consistent with the, with the book that came out recently that a lot of people have been talking about reading from Christendom to Apostolic Mission. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really helpful because, yeah, that Christendom age— it's beautiful because you're supported in the culture, but the, the the downside of that, the con of that, is that the faith isn't really being passed on evangelically. Mm-hmm. The faith is being passed on a lot of times by osmosis. Mm-hmm. And it's been interesting to talk to pastors and lay people alike who grew up with that formation that you just described, where it's like really imbued in the culture, 
when we talk about like getting a youth minister for the parish or, or promoting some kind of youth ministry, it, that just doesn't really compute. That's like a huge paradigm shift of like, what are you talking about youth ministry? It's like youth ministry looks like you grow up as a kid in your family with your siblings. You go to mass all the time. You serve mass. You go to school. You have nuns. You, you grow up Catholic. What do you, what do you mean youth ministry? Mm-hmm. Right? And, and even those, those folks who grew up with that milieu of, of Christendom, discerning their vocation came a lot more naturally because it was just talked about. There mm-hmm. were nuns, there were priests, the conversation came. Um, not so today. No. It's not the case. No, so I think we have to be careful. You know, when anyone is expecting their children's catechetical program or their Catholic school to somehow just fix their children, you know, I invest, you give me back faithful Catholic. Do you see how this transaction works? Well, that, that can't happen. You know, our Catholic schools are doing everything they can to plant seeds, uh, to try and create a, a culture within the building, um, within the school day, within the rhythm of life, trying to you know, you know, punctuate the seasons. But the Catholic school teachers, as they have all these different you know, state-mandated you know, curricula that they have to get through, and all these lesson plans, and everything else going on during the school day, you know, not every single teacher can just give a witness talk every single moment of the day about how the faith needs to be transmitted. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, Catholic schools are Monday through Friday. The biggest day of the week is the Lord's Day of Resurrection. The biggest day of the week is the Sabbath, in which the Christian community unites, families have a day of rest, and they can focus on that which is most important, the primacy of God. And you can't expect Catholic schools to do that when they're also you know, supposed to be Monday through Friday going over algebra you know, equations and U.S. history and world history and great English books and all of this, you know, the great you know, literary figures of, of times past. You can't just cram all of that in and expect this automatic Catholic culture just to pop itself out. So for anyone who's really thinking in those terms and putting an enormous amount of pressure and weight on education programs, please know that the, 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 the lived experience of the faith has got to come outside of just the education format. The faith is not an equation to just simply be studied and learned. It's not um, the encounter with Jesus as your uh, as your redeemer, and as your future judge, and as your uh, you know your future king. That isn't just a, an intellectual exercise in an academic setting. Mm-hmm. It's going to require a really broad investment of culture at home in the neighborhood amongst extended family members and friends how you recreate how you find entertainment all of that's got to have an element of faith to it right and i, d- I do want to say a word of thanks because there are those families who they sacrifice immensely because they know the importance of trying to communicate that like aspect of faith in every part of their life and the families who are trying to do that at home and really want that at school we had some issues last year with just the space in our church, being able to have all the students at mass every week with COVID restrictions and stuff. And I was so grateful. We had some really like kind of hyped up parents who like were kind of breathing down our necks of like, get my kids to mass. Like, what are you doing? Like I send you to, send you to school for this reason, which I'm so grateful. So to, to those parents out there who have done that or are currently doing that, making a big sacrifice to pay the tuition, that's inspiring. And that inspires me as a priest. But what I see way more than that are the parents who even, I've heard it, who make comments of, well, why would we have to go to Mass on Sundays? They go to Mass on Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. You know, or they go on Tuesdays for you guys at Healing, like whatever it might be. But 
or or people will say, "Oh, I went to I went to mass plenty when I was in school on Wednesdays. I don't need to go on Sundays now." Mm-hmm. You can just clearly see how compartmentalized that is, right? Mm-hmm. And that, that that's no way to pass on the faith, and and we can't be surprised. But then I think a lot of people find themselves in this place where they realize that they've got these high school students who are like actively leaving the faith, right, through their own doubt or their practice of just skipping mass or or, or making it really difficult for their parents. That's difficult. But to, to establish, and we, and we can't make it, can't be perfect parents. We can't stop our children from abandoning the faith because we have free will. And that's how God treats us, right? He gives us this incredible gift of the grace of baptism and then lets us have a free will to choose whether we accept that or reject that on a daily basis. Like mm-hmm. that's our life as Christians. But to allow that Catholic culture that was once just permeated throughout the culture to have a kind of a, a springtime in your family and in your home, right? I'd say as priests in the DREs and parishes, we're so eager to offer you the formation and the resources for that, right? Sometimes it just takes to ask, though. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it just takes to ask, Father, I want to I raise my kids in the faith, but I'm just not sure how. Um, what's, the, what's the step, right? Because I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, but um, to, to actually start to talk to your children, whether they're young or whether they're in high school, about why you have this conviction. Because... It can't just be a moralism of I know I have to do this because this is what I have to do because this is what I've always done and I'm Catholic. No, where does that conviction come from in us, right? Because that that's how we're going to start building building the church again um, through the same like apostolic mission that the, we saw with the apostles. They knew who Jesus was and they talked about him all the time. Um, so we've got to grow in our knowledge, but we've got to also grow in our ability to share that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that starts with our families. Absolutely. Yeah. Well said. The greatest way to t- to pass down the faith is to give witness to that to share what Jesus has done for you, to share where grace is stirring in your own heart, to see where there's dangers within the spiritual life, you know, as you try to avoid temptations, uh, to start passing that down within the households, uh, within amongst extended family members, great place to start in rebuilding that culture. Absolutely. Sorry, Catholic schools can't fix everything, but they can help. Yeah. But it's got to start in the home. So thanks for tuning in. See you soon. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.